Beloved Church of God, beginning our service before the Lord, let us stand and affirm the promise that relates to the door of our hope. Let the resurrection of Christ reign in our bodies. Let us bow our heads in prayer. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we are grateful to your holy name for this privilege to be in this place that your hand has outlined for the worship of your holy name. And so allow your inheritance in the name of the covenant of blood to be lifted to unreachable heights and to break all evil and sin that binds us. May in this service be cursed, as before, all the works of devil, illnesses, poverty, premature death, demonic dependencies, all forms of fears, depression, ignorance, covetousness, all of this let it depart from the tents of your holy people and stand, O Lord, on the place of your rest, you and the ark of your greatness. And may your saints be clothed in your redemption, and may they rejoice before your countenance. Give us more from your Spirit. Fill us with your Spirit. Allow us to discover your shining countenance. I lay this service in your divine arms. Guide it with your uplifted hand. Almighty God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. May the Lord bless you. You may be seated. Oh, 
And so if we continue to submerge into the depths of our inheritance, we first need to look at the unchanging epigraph of our inheritance, and that is Luke 24, 44. Then Jesus said to his disciples, These are the words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms concerning me. And for us, as partakers of the body of Christ, to share with Christ the fulfillment of all that is written about Him in Scripture, we shall continue our study of our collaboration with the Holy Spirit and what we need to do from our side so that we can receive the right to the power to put off our former way of life and put on the new form of life. This promise is the inheritance of the last days or last times that is not ready to be revealed but is already being revealed. In the last times, we have, Apostle Paul says, we've approached this imperishable inheritance that is kept for us in heaven and that is ready to be opened up in the last times by the power of God through faith. Faith is obedience to that preached word that we hear, considering that this promise had not been preached for thousands of years. This promise has never been presented in the form in which the Holy Spirit is presenting it today. We know that the last times are here and God has finally revealed the treasury of His promises and this is for the for those last times so that a, a child of God would be able to be dressed into his new person the body of this of our our body the body of a person can be dressed into a new person this is surprising amazing truth once it's accomplished in the beginning we receive it into our heart we grow it and then the time comes when God will actually clothe us into it and the world will become afraid po politicians presidents will be surprised because no one has ever told them about this all all religious organizations will jump because this truth will come from small little groups as it says do not fear little flock for God has promised to give you the kingdom this will be that small multitude and these small groups will surprise the world Ephesians 4 22 through 24 that you put off concerning your former conduct the old man which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lusts and be renewed in the spirit of your mind and that you put on the new man which is created according to God in true righteousness and holiness and of course this dressing into our new person is linked to a lot of suffering as we see these pearly gates this is the price to be able to eat of the tree of life you need to become these gates and we know that a pearl what we see these beautiful uh, pearly gates the reason for them being pearly is because it has something foreign that is not acceptable say to this to this clam or whatever receives it so 
we when we're dressed. And so, again, this is the suffering of a mollusk, and because it suffers, it coats this foreign uh, particle or stone or whatever falls into it, uh, it coats it into this pearl. And so the pearly gates, when they're presented, then we see the suffering of the holy nation, or say the, the result of their suffering is then this pearl that... Uh, is evidence of this person, that this new person created in accordance to God in true righteousness and holiness. And this is that revelation of the last times. And to fulfill this command, as we know, we need to utilize three charging and fundamental verbs. These are to put off, put off our former way of life, be renewed, renew our mind with the mind of Christ, and by the means then of this renewed mind, we then put on the new person. By the, by the confessions of our faith, we need to accept and confess the not-existent as existent until God makes it existent. We've noted that your fulfillment of these three actions will depend on whether we transform ourselves into a vessel of mercy or vessel of wrath, or more accurately, will the accomplishing of our salvation happen, which is given to us, as we know, in the format of a guarantee, or we will lose it forever, and our names be forever blotted out of the book of life, although they may have been written there at one time. In a specific format, we already looked at the first two questions and have been studying the third question, what conditions do we need to fulfill so that by the means of an already renewed mind, we begin the process of garmenting ourselves into the abilities of our new person created in accordance to God in Christ Jesus in righteousness and holy truth. And when we speak of clothing ourselves into the power of our new person that contains the power of the resurrection of Christ and all the armor of light, we've concluded that we need God's help. That is, we need his redeeming mercy, without which we will not be able to put off this old man or renew our mind with the spirit of uh, the mind of, or the mind, by the mind of Christ or put on the new person. Since prayer isn't just a man's means of communicating with God, but also kind of legal and sacral right and the means of receiving any kind of help as we know is the form of the inheritance of the mercies of God this is the weaponry of prayer or worship prayer is a tool that activates the given law of God man gives heaven this right so that heaven may intervene upon the territory of earth and so this person, of course, needs to be a king and a priest and have the right to be able to approach God, to call upon God, to enter into the holy place. And here's one of those prayers of David written in the 143rd Psalm that accurately reveal or open up the conditions, the grounds upon which a person is called to prepare a legal foundation for God. He needs to pray such a prayer to allow God to intervene with his mercy into our life and within the boundaries that we carry responsibility for before God. And this has been the subject we've been studying. Let's submerge into the beauty of this psalm. For me, it's not just a river. For me, this is as a waterfall, as a noisy waterfall. As it says, your voice is as many waterfalls. Psalm 143, 1 through 12. 
how amazing uh, David was. God allowed him to pray such prayers that today have become an example for us, for the chosen by God flock. Hear my prayer, O Lord, give ear to my supplications. In your faithfulness answer me, and in your righteousness do not enter into judgment with your servant. For in your sight no one living is righteous. For the enemy has persecuted my soul, he has crushed my life to the ground. He has made me dwell in darkness like those who have long been dead. Therefore my spirit is overwhelmed within me, my heart within me is distressed. I remember the days of old, I meditate on all your works, I muse on the works of your hands. I spread out my hands to you, my soul longs for you like a thirsty land. Answer me speedily, O Lord, my spirit fails. Do not hide your face from me, lest I be like those who go down into the pit. Cause me to hear your loving kindness in the morning, for in you do I trust. Cause me to know the way in which I should walk, for I lift up my soul to you. Deliver me, O Lord, from my enemies. In you I take shelter. Teach me to do your will, for you are my God. Your spirit is good. Lead me in the land of uprightness. Revive me, O Lord, for your name's sake. For your righteousness' sake, bring my soul out of trouble. In your mercy, cut off my enemies and destroy all those who afflict my soul. For I am your servant. And so for David, as well as for us, to hear the mercy of God early, when we're talking about early, it's talking about resurrection. God does not have a, he's not limited by time as in morning or evening. Early is the resurrection when you have received his salvation in his resurrection. We, like David, need to present to God legal grounds and a particular right. And such evidence in this prayer, as we already know, were ten unique in their nature arguments, identifying the right to enter the presence of God, founded upon the laws of God, which is also the word of God that comes out of his mouth. David pray, prayed to God so that he show mercy and hear him hear me in your faithfulness and your righteousness then he says hear me because I remember the days of old I meditate on all your works hear me because I spread out my hands to you he presents these arguments why God needs to hear him hear me for in you do I trust hear me because I lift up my soul to you hear me because in you I take shelter Hear me, for you are my God. Hear me for your name's sake. Hear me for your righteousness' sake. And hear me, for I am your servant. In the previous services, we had already studied the nature of the first argument that abided in David's heart. This was evidence that faithfulness and righteousness abided in David's heart. This served as legal grounds for God, giving God the ability to hear David and to stand on the side of David in his battles against his enemies. And we stopped to study the second argument, a truly unique second argument. This was the presented by David evidence that in his heart the memories of the days of old were imprinted or continued in all of the deeds that God had done in those old days. 
It continually abided in his heart. He continually looked at it, and it was always before him. According to the revelation of the Holy Spirit, we began to study the form of this evidence in the breastplate of judgment of the high priest. This item is a unique and continual memorial before God, identifying with itself continual prayer. It's very important that we understand that prayer is the will of God. It needs to be done in accordance to Scripture. There are not many people that perform prayer according to Scripture. Each one just creates his own prayer or her own prayer and add the word Lord. It says, do not speak the name of the Lord your God in vain, so that the Lord may not be angry, and not account this as a sin to you. As in a sermon as well, a person comes out and suddenly, dear friends, dear friends, dear brothers and sisters, he thinks what else, he's thinking of what else he should say, what should I put together. Same thing here, he starts to pray, Lord, Lord, Lord. And he often will repeat, Lord, 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 because he doesn't know how to pray and what to say. He doesn't know the will of God. He doesn't want to pray the words of, uh, with God's words. He, he puts together his own prayers. And if you enter any sovereign, respected country, they give you a form and you have to fill, fill it out and you need to answer every question accurately and if you don't, it will never go any further. But imagine if this form is given to you and you're putting all kinds of ridiculous things on it that you think may be appropriate but they're totally not, then this uh, is not going to be fitting. And so David presented these arguments before God so that God would hear him because he knew God's will. We know that the breastplate of judgment was created and served one item, and this was the unification of the Urim and the Thummim within the heart of a man, the presence of which allowed God to hear man and allowed man to hear God. Therefore, to be heard by God in the revelations of his Urim, which we see as the Holy Spirit, it was necessary to keep within your mind, it is necessary to keep within your mind the works of God that he had done in the days of old, his Thummim. This is the elementary teaching of Jesus Christ. The breastplate of judgment as a continual memorial before God is a sacral symbol of the format of continual prayer, providing God grounds to fulfill his will upon planet Earth. Only this kind of prayer will allow God to fulfill his will. Therefore, we can pray such a prayer. A person needs to be allowed to pray this prayer, one who enters his presence. Prayer that does not satisfy the requirements and characteristics of the breastplate of judgment does not have the right to be called prayer. And further, a person praying such a prayer does not have the right to be called a warrior in prayer. Therefore, also does not have the right to approach God as an intercessor. As only the format of continual prayer presented in the breastplate of the high priest gives us the right to come close to God and enter into the holy place as kings and priests to present intercession that pursues the interests of his will. In the Septuagint, this is how the breastplate of judgment is, or the, the truth is uh, 
presented in our, pretty much translated into our language. Uh, Septuagint, uh, there's about 70 people who worked on creating it, and every word, all 70 needed to agree that this is the meaning or the translation of this word or this word or this word. <clears throat> and sometimes you may pick a word, but it will not, or select a word that will uh, somewhat fit, but may not fit as well. To So they had to all agree uh, that this is the appropriate word that's to be translated. And so priests and kings were not they were not able to uh, read the Hebrew Bible. Uh, the the simple man were not was not able to read the Hebrew Bible. Uh, and so, as for example, there's the Slavic language and also the Slavic la language that was in the church, and that one was not understood by by simple men. And so, there was a lot of resistance uh, against these seventy men that uh, when they were translating this. Uh, this the Bible, a lot of resistance against that that they didn't want it translated, and so these rabbis they considered that the Aramaic and Greek and so God of course as we know God did His work. Uh, who accepts and doesn't accept is the idea of redemption has spread all over the whole world. The, the the plan of God's redemption has has spread all over the face of the world, and the breastplate of judgment was called the sign of justice, as by the means of the urim of the thummim that was contained in the breastplate of judgment, God was able to reveal to man His judgments. The symbol of the breastplate of judgment identified a conscience of a man purified from dead works upon the tablets of whom just as a sign uh, signet in, in the twelve names of the patriarchs the teaching of Jesus Christ that came in the flesh was imprinted a conscience purified of dead works with the imprinted faithfulness and righteousness upon its tablets is called to give God the right to function in them and through them upon planet earth in a specific format we've already looked at the measurements and nature of materials with which the breastplate of judgment was built that we are called to be in accordance to within our spirit and stop to study the next requirement that shows Exodus 28:17 through 21. And you shall put settings of stones in it, four rows of stones. The first row shall be Sardius, topaz and emerald. The second is turquoise, sapphire and diamond. Third row, jacinth, agate and amethyst. And the fourth row, beryl, onyx and jasper. They shall be set in gold settings. And the stone shall have the names of the sons of Israel, twelve according to their names. Like the engraving of a signate, each one with its own name, <coughs> they shall be according to the twelve tribes. <coughs> if you can imagine that elementary teaching of Jesus Christ needs to be carved, not just be placed into the heart, but be carved upon the heart as a, as a signet. We've noted that the 12 golden settings is the authority, rule, and order of the Word of God contained in the teaching of Jesus Christ that came in the flesh that we as worshipers of God are called to present within the foundation of our continual prayer. The twelve precious stones with engraved upon them as a signet, names of the sons of Israel, is a symbol and format of our continual prayer presenting the perfect judgments of God. 
From this we can see that it wasn't the golden settings being the truth of the Word of God that were adjusted in measurement and configuration to fit the precious stones, which are our prayers, but the precious stones themselves being our prayers are the ones that were adjusted and configured to fit the golden settings of truth. Continual prayer in the twelve precious stones of the breastplate of judgment with the twelve names is a persisting prayer. This is the strongest form of prayer, the persisting prayer. Because if I will pray in tongues, I will pray in spirit and with fast fasting, but I will not pray according to the breastplate of judgment in accordance to it, then my prayer will be as the prayer of Hagar in the wilderness, but not as a priest in the temple. But I present myself as a priest to God, and we confirm that we're priests to God. Uh, but we then deceive ourselves if we're not praying as a priest. Not all are kings and priests who, who come to God. To be a king, you need to cast off this old man from yourself, this sinful man from yourself. You're a servant of your lusts, your desires. You are not a king. When your sinful nature will be cast off, removed, then you will be able to rule over yourself, become a prince that is able to rule over his horse, then you will become a king. We, we've talked about uh, the word as prince. It means a person who is able or has his own personal horse and is able to control it. Prince used to be applied to that to the to to the such a person we all have a horse which is our feelings our desires and it is not us who control them but they who control us and if they control us we are, of course can't be kings and priests a king and a priest can only be that category of the holy nation that has cast off its old man with its deeds and has renewed their mind they have renewed their mind with the spirit of the mind of Christ then we will be able to rule over ourselves that's where the ruling begins and the building of our temple begins and so continual prayer is the prayer that is persisting and in its intercession presents the interests of the will of God and does not step away from the goal until what is asked for is received. <clears throat> building of the breastplate of judgment within our heart is revealed as building the kingdom of heaven in the image of the tree of life. Growing this tree of life within your heart is building yourself up into a new person, created in accordance to God in righteousness and holy truth, into a spirit spiritual house and a holy priesthood. With this we note that all of the beauty and order of the temple were created for one holy item and served that one item. This was the golden ark of the covenant, the same thing with the ephod of the high priest, with the connected to it breastplate of judgment. It was created for and served only one holy item that very accurately called to do, was called to duplicate and fulfill the function of the golden ark. This was the Thummim and the Urim. Because the golden ark of the covenant as well as the breastplate of judgment symbolized from different angles and with various purposes the conscience of a man cleansed from dead works. The Urim and the Thummim in Hebrew means light and perfection Light is the symbol of the Holy Spirit. Perfection is the elementary teachings of Christ. 
light and the right, and revelation and truth. The Ten Commandments inside the Ark of the Covenant <coughs> demonstrating Jesus Christ is the truth. And this truth in the breastplate of judgment is the thummim, symbolizing the teaching, the elementary teachings of Christ. The light revelation that a person could receive at the mercy seat or the lid of the Ark is the Urim in the breastplate of judgment, <clears throat> which is the Holy Spirit. A worshiper of God is a person who has a wise heart, upon the tablets of whom the truth in the form of the thummim is imprinted, within the boundaries of which the Urim in the form of the Holy Spirit could reveal the mysteries of the thummim. <clears throat> I have put wisdom in the hearts of all the gifted artisans, that they may make all that I have commanded you, Exodus 31, 6. We see here two forms of wisdom. I have put wisdom in the hearts of all the gifted artisans. Why does the heart of a person become wise? And when? It becomes wise when you put this preached word into your heart. You, you fit, you put this elementary teachings of Christ into your heart. We studied the 12 walls of the New Jerusalem and we identified the elementary teachings of Christ in that. In a particular format, we've studied five qualities of a warrior in prayer in the five first stones of the breastplate of judgment and have been studying the sixth quality and this is the precious diamond stone. We know that the sixth name that was carved upon the precious diamond stone is the sixth son of Jacob Naphtali, which means wrestler, one who prevails in prayer. Genesis 37 and 8, And Rachel's maid Bela conceived again and bore Jacob a second son. Then Rachel said, With great wrestlings I have wrestled with my sister, and I indeed have prevailed. So she called his name Naphtali. God in this name has imprinted not battle, the battle or the conflict between Rachel and her sister Leah, but a person battling with the powers of hell. And when he allows the Holy Spirit to battle with him together against the powers of hell, that is the, that is the meaning of the name Naphtali. And so when Rachel called uh, her son this name, she did not know fully what God was intending into, to put into his name. We sometimes mean one thing, but God has a different plan. The name of God presented in the precious diamond stone, according to the Jewish rabbinate, is El Hai in Hebrew, which when translated means God is alive. Therefore, according to the definition of the name Naphtali upon the precious diamond stone, we conclude that the function of the sixth principle as a format of continual prayer is our right and our ability to allow the Holy Spirit to abide with us in our prayer battles against the power of hell which confront us when we fulfill the will of God by the name of the living God. Jeremiah 10.10, 10, But the Lord is the true God, He is the living God and the everlasting King. At His wrath the earth will tremble and the nations will not be able to endure His indignation. The name of the living God is a format of an oath. And the category of the nation that had not learned to swear by the living God or swore falsely 
were utterly destroyed. Jeremiah 12, 16, 17. You have to have the right, again, to swear by the name of the living God. Jeremiah 12, 16, 17. And it shall be, if they will learn carefully the ways of my people, to swear by my name as the Lord lives, as they taught my people to swear by Baal, then they shall be established in the midst of my people. But if they do not obey, I will utterly pluck up and destroy that nation, says the Lord. So to not be plucked up and destroyed by the wrath of the living God, it is necessary to learn the ways of the nation of God, to swear by the name of God El Chai or by the living God. These ways are the paths of the commandments and statutes of God. The conditions that give us the right to learn the ways of God's commandments and statutes to swear by the name of the living God is the thirst to know them. Psalm 119, 32 through 35. I will run the course of your commandments, for you shall enlarge my heart in the original when my heart begins to bear fruit. To bear fruit, then will I be able to run the course of your commandments. By the means of this fruit that I bear. Teach me, O Lord, the way of your statutes, and I shall keep it to the end. A person prepares his heart to hear the, wor the word of God. Give me understanding, and I shall keep your law. Indeed, I shall observe it with my whole heart. Make me walk in the path of your commandments, for I delight in it. We know that in Hebrew, the name of God, alive, or living, one who is one who abides, one who is, one with unconditional authority, one who defines a genesis, creates the genesis, holds the genesis, keeps the genesis, rules over the genesis, and is commander and lord of the genesis. Deuteronomy 10, 20 and 21, You shall fear the Lord your God, you shall serve him, and to him you shall hold fast and take oath in his name. He is your praise, He is your God, who has done for you these great and awesome things which your eyes have seen. If you see here, to vow or swear by the name of the living God, it is necessary to have the fear of the Lord, to serve one God only, and hold fast to Him and take oath then in His name. Because we have these, we fear the Lord, we serve Him, and we hold fast to Him, we take oath in His name. The power of a warrior in prayer contained within the virtue of the name of the living God is called to present the unlimited power of God over the genesis in the allotted by Him to for us time and boundaries. Therefore, it was necessary for us to look at and determine what goal God has in His intentions when He urges and calls His children to become warriors in prayer, as well as upon what conditions and is God able and desires to give man the right to become a warrior in prayer so that man may present the interests of God and implement his inheritance in God. The implementation of our salvation is God's will. Per the definitions provided in Scripture, our prayer needs to be first persistent, diligent, Continual, persistent, diligent, with boldness, with reverence, with faith of your heart, with thanksgiving, with joy, in the fear of the Lord and in the Holy Spirit or praying in tongues. <clears throat> and so these 
are two separate separate things. In the previous service, we in a specific format have already looked at seven components of continual prayer and stopped to study the eighth component. This is the fruit of joy. We've noted that the fruit of joy in the heart identifies the state of a heart of a warrior in prayer as well as the quality of this warrior's prayer. A merry heart does good like medicine, but a broken spirit dries the bones. Proverbs 17.22 Therefore, one of the signs by which we need to determine the presence of joy that comes from above will be a merry heart that will serve as a medicinal substance, healing and restoring and repairing his faith and his trust in God. Not healing his sicknesses or illnesses, but his faith, so that his faith then can heal his sicknesses and his illnesses. Many holy peoples, their faith is ill, it's sick, or buried within a tomb. In the heart of a person, there is a cemetery where the, pres- the promises of God are buried. And in order to resurrect these promises, it is necessary to heal the faith. When faith is healed, then the promises will enliven, and then you will be able to dress yourself into your new person and be then find uh, all, all at once be delivered from sicknesses and aging and weakness as well. A broken spirit is a symbol of a hard heart that is directed by the pride of his unrenewed mind, where there is an absence of an atmosphere of upright joy, one depriving God of grounds or foundation to do good and to heal this person. We conclude, conclude that in Scripture the quality and character that is included in the word joy is prescribed in prayer prayer as a commandment. Apostle Jude, concluding his short book to the Church of Christ, gave the quality of joy its own elevation and rank as an integral part of our salvation. Looking at the above-mentioned place of Scripture, we conclude that for God, Fault or blemish in joy is an absence of a foundation keeping us from stumbling into perdition. The glory of God abides exclusively in the atmosphere of upright joy and is an expression of this upright joy. Blemishes or sin in joy is a stain or a flaw revealing impurity, abomination, and deceit. Today on earth, the representative of heaven are his people. But it says, but there shall by no means enter anything that defiles or causes an abomination or a lie, but only those who are written in the Lamb's Book of Life, Revelations 21:27, Determining the wellspring of unearthly joy and the existing in this joy natural qualities, we conclude that upright joy in prayer can come only from an upright heart of a man. The heart expresses this upright joy. Our word and our actions manifest the state of upright joy. If our heart will be upright, then our words will be upright, our garments will be upright, our actions will be upright, everything will be upright. We need to differentiate earthly 
or regular joy from joy that is supernatural, that has its distinctive roots in God, distinctive wellspring in God, and its distinctive genesis in God. I would say its own distinctive taste, not that one that the earth or, or worldly joy has. By themselves, the two natures of joy are two programs that come from different nature springs, God and the fallen cherubim. The heart of a man is a programmable system that, and that nature of joy to which man gives his consideration or preference dresses him and rules in his essence. And if we consider or prefer earthly joy, then it from one side will be the means we measure our relationship with God and from the other side will be suppressing and oppressing supernatural joy. If we will consider the joy that comes from above, then it also will be the means by which we measure our relationship with God. But due to its supernaturalism, unearthly joy is not able to be experienced or felt upon the level of our physical abilities. As unlike worldly joy, it isn't a kind of emotion or a kind of feeling that lifts our mood. Supernatural joy is a kind of discipline of the mind and heart which creates peace in the heart of a man as well as balances, controls, and leads our feelings. As we've talked about our horse, our feelings, when he is disciplined, when we are ruling and controlling him, when we are controlling our feelings and not they controlling us, the supernatural joy in prayer is confessing who God is for us in Jesus Christ and what God has done for us in Jesus Christ. This kind of confession of the faith of the heart in power will be equal to the power of the words that come out of the mouth of God because we're confessing the words of God. Turning our attention to the unique wisdom of Scripture in defining unearthly joy, we've decided to look at the virtues of upright joy within the heart of a man, born from the imperishable seed of the word of truth, abiding within Christ. The example and criteria identifying the quality nature of upright joy is God himself. Therefore, this upright joy is not only the quality of God and the atmosphere in which God abides, it is also one of his glorious names with which he triumphs over his enemies. Then I will go to the altar of God, to God my exceeding joy, and on the harp I will praise you, O God, my God. Why are you cast down, O my soul, and why are you disquieted within me? There's a joy that you come into God's presence, uh, into joy, but the soul is not, is not happy, it's not rejoicing. And that's why he's asking his soul why it's disquieted within him. David turns to his soul asking him these questions. Why are you disquieted within me? Hope in God, for I shall yet praise him, the help of my countenance and my God. And so he tells his feelings to rejoice and not sorrow. And to determine the essence of supernatural joy as well as the conditions that we need to fulfill to grow and demonstrate its virtue in our prayer, we have been looking at four aspects. This is defining the essence and purpose of the fruit of joy in prayer, the price of obtaining and expressing the fruit of joy in prayer, keeping and developing the fruit of joy in prayer, and the fruits and rewards for demonstrating upright joy in prayer. We in a specific format have already looked at the first uh, three questions, therefore we'll immediately turn to the fourth question. 
Actually, we've went through two, and we'll look at the third question. What conditions do we need to fulfill to keep and increase the fruit of upright joy in prayer? Looking at this question, we've already studied six conditions providing grounds and the ability for keeping and increasing the fruit of upright joy in prayer. Therefore, we will immediately begin studying the seventh condition. I will shortly go through the first six that we have already studied. The first component contained in keeping and developing the fruit of upright joy in prayer is the, sanct is the sanctification of our all-capturing redemption, capturing the spirit, soul, and body. Second component contained in keeping and developing the fruit of upright joy in prayer is celebrating the Feast of Booths. Third component contained in keeping and developing the fruit of upright joy in prayer is the dedication of the wall of Jerusalem, offered, offering great sacrifices, fruits, first fruits and tithes. Fourth component contained in keeping and developing the fruit of upright joy in prayer is obtaining the lawful right to avenge them, uh, avenge yourself against your enemies, these enemies being the carnal sinful beginning in man and the supporting of unclean and lawless men. Fifth component contained in keeping and developing the fruit of upright joy in prayer is the state of the heart of the righteous one who knows the bitterness of his soul and the stranger does not share his joy. Sixth component contained in keeping and developing the fruit of upright joy in prayer is the ability to perform the peace of God. And now the seventh component contained in keeping and developing the fruit of upright joy in prayer is waiting for the fulfillment of our hope. Let's read this place of scripture. Proverbs 10.28, the hope of the righteous will be gladness but the expectation of the wicked will perish. And so waiting is hope, because hope, we're always waiting, we're hoping, for, some, we're relying upon it. In this proverb, we see two categories of people that have hope. Hope in fulfilling, fulfilling the words of God, the righteous and the wicked both have hope, both hope upon the promises, but the unclean that became unclean why did they become unclean they had allowed into uh, jealousy to form within their heart jealousy against the righteous as Cain had hated Abel being jealous of him and in doing so rejected the faith they had in good conscience and doing so they experienced shipwreck in their faith and became stronger in their deception as Cain did when he went and built a city and called his first son Enoch perfection they strengthening themselves in their deception perverted the truth and called their deception as another gospel. If a person trusts that he has within his heart unearthly joy, but due to his jealousy does not is not satisfied with his position in the body of Christ, he loses his ability to wait with patience the confessed by him hope of the promises. And this person loses the ability and to bear fruits of upright joy that give, that is the guarantee of the promises of the guarantee of inheriting the promises he would confess 
And so a person waits uh, for the things he hope he hopes upon, and they're so real in him that they will become true due to his obedience and his confession. Romans 5, 1 through 5, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have access by faith into his grace, in which we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. We pretty much rejoice in what we do not see and as if don't have. Physically, we are not able to see it or have it, but we do have it in spirit, the hope of glory. And not only that, but we also glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, character, hope. Now, hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out into our heart by the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Hope is not faith or its its analogy because hope has to do with waiting for the fulfillment of future promises. For we know that the whole creation groans and labors with birth pangs together until now. Not only that, but we also, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we also also ourselves groan within ourselves eagerly waiting why are we groaning within ourselves eagerly waiting for the adoption the redemption of our body our spirit is redeemed for sure if we lost our soul in the death of the Lord Jesus Christ it also is redeemed but the body still remains unredeemed God redeemed it of course but we have not yet uh, made this real or true we have not been dressed into our new person we will be adopted when we put him into the new person God without us cannot dress us into our new person and we without God can't do this as well to be dressed into our new person this is collaborating with the truth and with the Holy Spirit for we were saved in this hope But hope that is seen is not hope, for why does one still hope for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we eagerly wait for it with perseverance. Romans 8, 22 through 25. In this place of Scripture, the promise of the future that continues in the heart of the righteous and produces the fruit of joy is awaiting this adoption and the redemption of our body. Faith is linked to the things that are present. When something needs to happen that is within our treasury of hope, faith takes from this treasury of hope the hope that is unseen, and makes it real. The redemption of our bodies needs to happen in the appointed by God time, by the power of God, by actually taking from what we've been hoping and making it real. Hebrews 11.1, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Rejecting faith and a good conscience, the unclean have lost their ability to transform their promise of the future into hope. And so they turn to a foreign gospel that the scriptures describe as a slippery slope. The righteous, even in the midst of great trials, are full of joy within their heart because they have hope 
of the future things. Moreover, brethren, we make known to you the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia, that in a great trial of affliction the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded in the riches of their liberality. 2 Corinthians 8, 1, 2. And so the church that was in Macedonia they received such word, they were given such word, such hope, that they had joy, not looking at all the sorrow that they were experiencing. It was so real inside of them. The fruit of joy makes a person a partaker of the category of the wife, the bride of the lamb, which is why a person gladly looks to the future, his inheritance, which is concealed within Christ Jesus. Proverbs 31, 10 and 25, who can find a virtuous wife? For her worth is far above rubies. Strength and honor are her clothing. She shall rejoice in time to come. She, so the waiting of the righteous is glad. Uh, she is not sorrowful. She is rejoicing. And so they ask, why are you rejoicing? You're suffering and why are you rejoicing? But they are rejoicing because they say, you don't know what I have. I have that kings have never had. Even if you take all the wealth of the world, it will be nothing in comparison to what I have. I have God. I have the kingdom of heaven. It belongs to me. And in its time, God will dress me into this kingdom. It's right now inside of me, and that is why I rejoice, because what is in me will never replace these materialistic gold and silver and other precious things of the world. Summing up what we've been studying, keeping and developing the fruit of joy is only such a hope that abides within the house of a virtuous wife. The virtuous wife is the gathering of saints that preach the inheritance of hope and the conditions that give you the ability to inherit it. The eighth condition for keeping and developing the fruit of upright joy in prayer is the timely confessions of the faith of our heart received in the revelations of the Holy Spirit. Timely confessions. This is the the main word here that we are focusing on. Proverbs 15.23 A man has joy by the answer of his mouth and a word spoken in due season. How good it is. And so it's talking about such an answer of the mouth of a person that has spoken timely. Looking at this place of scripture, we can conclude that the same word in the answer of the mouth, spoken timely or untimely, can either bear joy or bitterness. All will depend on the word that is spoken timely or untimely. Because first, the answer of his mouth, timely and untimely, means the accomplishing of the promises of God contained in the hope of our inheritance in Christ Jesus. Here it's talking about the confessions of the faith of the heart. Uh, a man has joy by the answer of his mouth. He's confessing what's in his heart. Secondly, the answer of, of his mouth 
can be a tool that timely softens the soil of our heart so that it can receive seed of the preached word about the kingdom of heaven. Third, the timely answer of our mouth can be the sowing of good seed into timely prepared soil. Fourth, the timely answer of our mouth can be a tool of harvest, timely reaping a field of our fruit. And so timely gathering the fruits that we've sown in the seed. And so timely sowing, timely reaping. If you can imagine some kind of fruitful tree that at the end of, of, of autumn did not uh, bloom. <coughs> and the cold begins to, to come. As there's a poem that uh, speaks of an apple tree that bloomed not its in, in its own season. And so if you can imagine that a person starts to sow in the beginning of winter, not timely, as evan evangelism, they start to uh, activate people to evangelism. Will his sowing be a joy to him? Of course it will not, because it is not timely. If a person, uh, he, he sows and he sows into, as we know, when a, uh, God himself, it's written in Isaiah 28, 24 through 29, does the plowman keep plowing all the day to sow? Does he keep turning his soil and breaking the clods? When he has uh, leveled the surface, does he not sow the black cumin and scatter the cumin, plant the wheat and rose, the barley in the pointed place and the spelt in its place? For he instructs him in right judgment as God teaches him. For the black cumin is not threshed with threshing of sledges, nor as a cartwheel rolled over the cumin, but the black cumin is beaten out with a stick and the cumin with a rod. Break flour, bread flour must be ground, therefore he does not thresh it forever. If we untimely attempt to transform the promises of the future from the treasury of our hope, we actually will uh, go against God's will in, this, in doing so. Before we transform any promise uh, that is contained in the treasury of hope, we need to receive the revelation of God within our heart, not a prophecy but a revelation within our own heart. Here, God does not use prophecies at all. He wants to speak to you personally within your heart, not through a prophet and without a prophet, without prophetic vessels. This is the misfortune of men that people rely more upon prophetic vessels than preparing their heart to listen to what God will tell them and so that God hear what they have to say. It's very important. You need to receive a revelation in your heart about the time for receiving your promise. Considering that there's a time for any, there's a time for any sowing and reaping, and as in the world we see this. To everything there is a season, a time for every purpose under heaven. Ecclesiastes three one. This place of scripture of Ecclesiastes speaks of the fact that God reveals himself to us in his promises, not always, but only at specific times 
times appointed by him and not us, those that he's implemented and not that we have implemented for ourselves. For God may speak in one way or in another, yet man does not perceive it. Job 33:14. And if we untimely or not in the time that God has uh, appointed will attempt to take any of the promises of God, promises given to us by God, then we will express disobedience to God and speak words of, uh, in vain. We more than once have noted that time is a great mystery of God and in dependence on our behavior towards time, it will either be a blessing for us or a curse for us. You will be a, a means by which we obtain the kingdom of heaven or eternal damnation and scripture there are more than 700 places of scripture that talk about time and looking at them or meditating and looking and analyzing these places of scripture I want to put uh, present pretty much the definitions and meanings that I found I'm shortening our time as I more than once have spoken about it before I won't bring many places of scripture but just will showed uh, list them time is a discipline that needs to be studied and paid attention to through life time is the seed of eternity it abides and is existent in the past present and future time is the order of eternity in the boundaries of which we need to be and something that we need to follow we are within time or eternity is within time and time is within eternity and we also are time is a commandment that needs to be honored and before which we need to tremble time is the law that we need to look upon with respect and fear time is a unique and unrepeated ability to inherit curse as well as blessing time is a doctor or healer healing the wounds of the heart whose instructions we need to follow Time is a ruler <clears throat> and coordinator, placing all and everything in their own place, the place that they belong. It is pointless and useless to object to it. Time is a judge that needs to be respected and with which it is useless to argue. Time is like a strict executioner, carrying out the verdict of death, as well as somewhat a middleman of God, giving man eternal life. Time is a teacher and one who accompanies you from eternal death into eternal life. Time is the gift of God for which we need to thank God and also a treasure that we need to value and care for. Time is the reward of eternity for deeds and work done within the span of our lifetime in, the running, in running time. Time is a just and unchanging reward for faithfulness and vengeance for unfaithfulness. So time is the law and order of eternity that upon the scale of God's justice measures generations, years, months, days, hours, minutes, and seconds in the existence of all things living. See that you walk circumspectly, not as fools but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil, Ephesians 5, 15, 16. Redeeming the time is to treat it as a treasure, purchase it and wisely use every opportunity in time to seek and know God. The Pharisees therefore said among themselves, You see that you are accomplishing nothing. Look, the whole world has gone after him. 
they incorrectly uh, utilized time, and so they were not accomplishing anything. Recently, a brother called me. One of our uh, one of our uh, of our brothers. I asked them to go and visit a couple of other churches, and he said, "I don't understand. How does it, the leader of the, of one of the group?" Every day they gather, they put the video videos that of our service, they listen and study them. How is that that they can do this every single day? They do this. I say it's simple. The righteous, anything he does, he will... He will he will uh, be successful, and so they are so captured by the teaching, uh, and the 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 group is increasing and increasing in number. Ecclesiastes 9.12 For man also does not know his time like fish taken in a cruel net like birds caught in a snare so the sons of men are snared in an evil time when it falls suddenly upon them. If a person knew his time a wise person knows his time. And so when the time of trial happens or comes, they fall into a snare. Those, the opposite, they are within the stronghold or the safe place, safe haven. Jeremiah 8, 7, even the stork in the heavens knows her appointed time and the turtle dove the swift and the swallow observe the time of their coming, but my people do not know the judgment of the Lord. <clears throat> A person doesn't know what needs to happen, why it's happening, what you need to expect from in the future, what signs we need to see. I gladly look at what's happening in the political world. Look at those countries that hate Israel, what's happening to them now. <clears throat> you can judge America for destroying uh, a couple of Muslim uh, area, areas. But I've seen what some of these areas, some of these groups, some of these places uh, have done to their own Muslim people. Children uh, are being killed and they put barriers uh, so that people, children had no food, medicine, or anything else. Muslims killing other Muslim people. God says of Israel, I will make it I will make them a, as a cooking pot among all the people. Before yesterday, President Trump announced Jerusalem the capital of Israel and announced uh, moving the American consulate from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem. The Muslim world physically exploded. We no longer look in America, they said. They live because of the American people and the money that they provide. 
And yet, they uh, uh, mainly America feeds them, and they say we will not. And if you don't look in America, you just won't. They just won't provide the food that you eat. And so the important things that are happening, your own enemies are destroying themselves. Blessed is one who blesses you, and one who curses you is cursed. And so people, I know these, uh, that these are signs. People rebel uh, in Jerusalem. There's an army that's active. They burn the Israelite and American flags. You can, and they uh, yell and they're angry and they self-destruct actually. The president of Israel said, this country for thousands of years where our kings and our people walked and now you say this is your capital. You weren't even here when uh, this was our capital for the thousands of years it was. And so President Trump did what others should have done. But no Obama, not Clinton, not anyone else was bold enough to make these decisions. But this one did. And not just that, the whole world has rose against him. But a couple of leaders have begun to actually support Trump. And we also are moving our consulates uh, from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem. You see what's happening. If we know God's, si God's signs, God's beginning to make Israel, the little Israel, as the central place. It's not just the Muslim world is uh, uh, in anger, but also other countries. I returned and saw under the sun that the race is not to the swift, nor the battle to the strong, nor bread to the wise, nor riches to men of understanding, nor favor to men of skill, but time and chance happen to them all. Ecclesiastes 9.11. Ecclesiastes 8.5 and 6. Here it says time and chance. Here it says, He who keeps his command will experience nothing harmful, and a wise man's heart discerns both time and judgment. Because for every matter there is a time and judgment, though the misery of man increases greatly that he does not know. And so when a person knows and the time and prays in accordance to God's will. I, uh, I heard a, a, a gentleman speaking on the radio and he had called people to prayer but he says we don't know how to pray but the spirit will utter great things uh, and we will pray unfortunately if you don't know what you're doing uh, the qualities of the, of, of the heart that you're supposed to have and it is not the Holy Spirit that is actually praying but your, your spirit prays when you pray in tongues uh, but when you pray aimlessly, then it will be fruitless. And if you don't have the teaching of Jesus Christ within your heart, the Holy Spirit will not come there. You could pray. And so they made the decision to pray for five hours in a row. And so you need time, you need to understand time and judgment. And it's misery for man that he doesn't know them. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. Psalm 1, 
Psalm 1-3. Therefore, since a promise remains of entering his rest, let us fear lest any of you seem to have come short of it. Hebrews 4-1. Again, God gives his time, but people... Uh, do it uh, miss the time and then will come and say give me some of your oil uh, we're running out why then did you not purchase it when it was available and now they're saying give us oil but they say no of course because we need to make sure we have enough so go for yourself and purchase uh, from the seller pretty much go pay the price that we paid and to pay the price you need to go to the one who sells uh, the one who pre and they went but they were late and that's why they were not raptured Jeremiah 46 17 they cried there Pharaoh king of Egypt is but a noise he has passed by the he has passed by the appointed time and so misfortune came upon him and he was he had lost, he had lost his, uh, what he could have had. Summing up this keeping and developing a fruit of joy, we see that it's only the timely confessions of the mouth that come at, from the revelations of the faith that's in his heart that will yield results. Let us bend our knees and pray. However, who is comfortable, See, either sitting or walking or however you're comfortable and we will thank God that we are able to hear the word of God that we can later timely confess. Amen. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we worship in our spirit. We bow our heads before you upon this place that your hand has appointed to worship your holy name. May your mercy be upon your sons and your daughters that have received into their heart your kingdom and grow it. Allow them to be dressed into that kingdom, into their new person. We thank you for this hope and this hope gives us joy. We already rejoice and we already see ourselves rich with your faith. And this whole world with all of its possessions is not able to tempt us or attract us because the wealth that we have in the resurrection of your son, Jesus Christ, has no comparison. May your children be blessed, those who hear your words, those who have received it into their heart. May allow them to keep this truth, this seed, and grow this truth into the tree of life that would be able to bear fruit every month 12 times so that they would be dressed into their fruit into this fruit as into their new person thank you for the revelation of your truth we worship before you before your word before your glory together with your people may the works of the devil be destroyed for those who are still in uh, battle and difficulty uh, and they battle with their lusts and their desires allow them to cast off their old man with his deeds so that they would die for their nation for their house and their corrupt desires allow them to be delivered from all dependences not be disappointed and not fall because the redemption that you uh, sent is your gift allow them to use your gift allow them to rise and dust themselves off 
from weakness and discouragement that they may have, those promises they've buried, so their heart not be a cemetery, but a resurrection, a place of resurrection, where all of the stones from those tombs will be rolled away, will be removed, and your Holy Spirit, may He create an atmosphere of resurrection in the spirit, an atmosphere of joy and gladness. We thank you. We worship before you together, our great God, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. And now let us proclaim our unchanging manifestation. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. To God our Savior, who alone is wise, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. Amen.